Hi everyone, this is Dr. Tim, and this is Dr. Tim's Aquarium Podcast, where we talk all things aquarium. This podcast is going to be about setting up a tank. Not the chemistry, not cycling. Those are covered in other podcasts. But how to physically set up your tank, what you're going to need, and what you're going to need to consider to set up your tank before you add fish. And it is best to think about these things before you get your fish. You would be surprised, though, how many people get a fish before they get their tank. Anyways, first thing to consider is location. You need to pick a spot in your house, apartment, that doesn't have direct sunlight because that can cause algae growth. It should also not have direct drafts from furnaces and air conditioners and things like that. Also be relatively low traffic area. You don't want an area like a hallway or the kitchen where people are constantly moving back and forth because that makes the fish skittish. Most importantly, are the last two considerations, you need to have space around the tank. You're going to have to change water. You're going to need a bucket on the floor. You're going to have to get to the filter, whatever that is. So you're going to need an area that has some space around it. And then all the devices, the heater, the filter, the light, all that require electricity. And it's best to plug everything into a six-way or two. You don't want lots of cords hanging around all going into one outlet. Be electrically safe with your aquarium and use the drip loops, which are explained on all the boxes of the devices you get so that you make sure water doesn't drip out or down the cables or down the electrical cord into the outlet. You also have to consider what you're going to put your tank on, the stand. You don't want to put it on a flimsy stand. You don't want to put it on an heirloom that if that heirloom, you know, grandma's ancient table got wet, it would ruin it. Best to get a sturdy stand that's made for aquariums, but this all depends, of course, on the size. If we're talking about a small betta tank, that can go on many different uh, stands, you don't need a dedicated stand. But if you're talking about a 100-gallon aquarium, you should get a stand that's specifically made for a 100-gallon aquarium. Next to think about, which might seem a little strange, though, but it's going to really dictate how you think about your answers in the next sections are, what kind of fish are you going to keep? Are you going to keep a saltwater aquarium? A reef aquarium. Your first tank and you just want a simple, maybe some glowfish or f different freshwater fish. Hey, you need to really decide that before you get the tank. And there's all sorts of styles out there. Hexagonal tanks, tall tanks. Really try to keep it simple for now for your first aquarium, if this is your first aquarium, and get a standard rectangular tank. Plastic or glass, doesn't really matter. They both have their pluses and their minuses, which you can afford. Uh, kits are fine if that's what you want to do. There's another type of water that you can make, and it's called RO water. It comes with a filter, water conditioner, gravel, has most of the devices and things that we're going to talk about included. They can work out fine. 
So once you've figured out what kind of fish you're going to keep in general, it doesn't have to be specific, but freshwater fish, say, let's talk about water. After all, the water is the most critical part of the aquarium. Most people are going to use tap water. It's convenient, it's easy, it's free. The big problem with tap water is that it's made for drinking. It contains chlorine or chloramines, which are in disinfectant, which is used to kill bacteria and viruses and stuff that might be in the water so that it's safe for human consumption. But those same disinfectants, the chlorine and the chloramines, will kill fish, corals, every bacteria, everything we need to have an aquarium. So we've got to get rid of that. The simplest way to do that is with a simple dechlor product like our first defense that gets rid of chlorine, chloramines, also buffers the water and adds some trace elements and things like that. There's another group of products which are ammonia-removing products like our AquaCleanse. Don't suggest using those unless you're trying to detoxify a really large amount of water. And also, if you're going to do what's called fishless cycling, which is covered in the cycling podcast, you're not going to want to use, want to use an ammonia-removing prod, product because you're actually going to be adding ammonia to the water. So stick with our first defense to get rid of the chlorine and the chloramines. There's another type of water that you can make called RO water. RO stands for reverse osmosis. And this is a process for making pure water. It's like with deionized water, which you can buy at the store, or distilled water. And many people rightfully think, well, what could be better than pure water for our fish and corals? The problem is pure water means it absolutely has no chemicals in it. There are certain chemicals you need to have in the water for your fish and the beneficial bacteria. So for most people, using tap water and a water conditioner like our first defense to get rid of chlorine and chloramines is sufficient. And a last type of water source is some people have well water. And that can vary. The water quality of well water can vary a lot. So that's kind of beyond the scope of this. If you have well water, then you're going to want to have it tested. You're going to want to know that it's safe for your fish before you set up and use well water. All right. Now, how about the tank and the basic equipment? The old adage or the adage is get the biggest tank you can afford. You know, the problem with that is that for a lot of people, a big tank then becomes too much maintenance. Get a tank that you can handle in a space that you can handle. You can always upgrade later on when you find out that this is really something you want to do. you figured out the fish you want to do. So getting a 100-gallon tank right off the bat, not sure I would recommend that. Maybe a 30- or 40-gallon tank. But again, it depends, as we talked about in the very beginning, the area you have and the time that you, also the time you have for maintenance. Aquariums are not maintenance-free. No animal is. So you're going to have to realize that the larger the tank, the more time you are going to spend on maintenance. Now, why people recommend large tanks is that 
things go slower, bad things go slower or happen more slowly in a big tank, which is true. But just know that as getting a dog or a cat, there's a certain amount of maintenance that you're going to have to do and you're going to have to put the time in. And we're going to talk about that in the maintenance podcast after we get the tank set up. Then you've got to maintain. Not hard, a lot easier to maintain an aquarium than many other types of uh, animals. You just have to do it on a regular basis. So you've got the tank. I recommend a rectangular tank. Don't recommend the, the crazy shapes, the octagonal tanks that are deep or anything like that. They're just harder to maintain. And so you, if it's something hard to do, you tend not to do it. So people don't maintain those as well, in my opinion. You have the tank, and now you've got substrate. Generally, it's some type of a gravel or coral sand, 1 to 2.5 millimeters. And there's another product out there that's called live sand. And this is a product where people mix in bacteria, things like that. That works, but there's two things you need to know about live sand. One, because it does have organics and bacteria in it, that the water will probably get cloudy after you set up the tank. And then secondly, it might also stink a little bit. If your live sand, when you open the bag, stinks, I'd think twice about putting it in without rinsing it. It's just going to cause you lots of problems down the road. Also, live sand can contain algae. If it's been sitting in the store for a long time and the bag has green algae growing in it, I would skip that bag of live sand. Heater. Don't skimp on a cheap heater. Very important device. They have these connectors, and invariably a cheap heater, the connector, which is supposed to connect when the heater's on, basically melts together, and the heater doesn't turn off, and so the water gets too hot, and your aquarium tends to be booyah-based instead of a fish tank. So don't skimp on a cheap heater. Test kits. I would recommend when you start getting an ammonia and a nitrite and a pH test kit. We'll cover those in another podcast, but those are the basic test kits you're going to need. And then the filter. The best filter for you is the filter you understand and the filter that you will maintain. It's no use getting a really expensive canister filter if it's beyond your ability to service. Because, again, if it's hard to do something, you're not going to do it. And you need to be able to service your aquarium filter. So a simple hang-on-the-back filter is fine. And there's internal filters that fit inside the tank in the water. They can work. Or there's canister filters. Whatever fits your budget and the ones that you're comfortable maintaining. That's what you want to get. So you've got the substrate in there, you've got the filter, heater, you're ready to go. How about some decorations? Totally up to you. There's all sorts of schools of thought about what well, you've got to use. If you're going to get South American Tetris, only South American type decorations, or you don't put seashells in freshwater tanks. And It's your tank. You can do what you want. Um, yes, some people are going to judge you, but... That's don't post on internet, uh, Facebook pictures of your tanks. If you don't want to get judged, um, 
The main thing, though, is be careful if you put stuff in it that really wasn't made for aquariums. You're out on a walk and you collect something, some piece of wood or something like that. You're not sure what that's been treated with, if it's been treated or somehow it's got pesticides or something in there. So just be very careful of that. Many people will let that sit in water for a long time. And then also, in many places, it is illegal to collect and take something from the ocean. You go to your favorite, you know, Hawaii and grab a shell. It is illegal. You should just leave all that stuff there. So don't take stuff from the ocean to put in your aquarium, right? Now, how about adding water? The easiest thing to do, you've got everything set up, is don't bother trying to heat the water or use hot water from the tap. That's what the heater's for, okay? So add water to your aquarium, add it to the filter, and get the system set up. If you've set up your substrate and your decorations, a lot of times you can put a cup or a glass in there and pour the water into that, or a plate and pour the water on top of the plate so that you're not upsetting where your decorations are or how you've got them handled, okay? Adding the water, take your time. If it's a really big tank, some people run a hose from outside. Whatever works for you. Start up the filter, and this is a question we get asked a lot, especially if you're going to do fishless cycling, which cycling is growing the bacteria. We're going to talk about that in a little bit in a few minutes, and as I've said several times, we have a cycling podcast that you're going to want to listen to. But yes, add materials to the filter, whether it's a sponge or bio balls, activated carbon, whatever it is, Set up the filter as recommended from the manufacturer. Add the activated carbon. Put the sponge on. Things like that. But keep it simple. Don't add all these other types of filtration media right now. Just a basic system. The filter and the materials that came with it. The heater. Dechlorinate the water. And now, don't turn the heater on until the water is in the aquarium. Most heaters, actually, they have a line on them, which is the minimum level the water has to be at. And you never want to take a heater directly out of the aquarium while it's plugged in. Unplug the heater, let it sit for a few minutes before you take it out of the aquarium. So now the water's in there, it's a, the heater's submerged, want to plug that in, get the filter running, and let the tank run. Don't add the dechlor yet. Don't do anything because you may want to change things. You may have to drain the aquarium for some reason. And if you've bought chemicals and bacteria and you've already put them in, the chances are by draining the tank to correct some air or doing something, you're going to be wasting your money. Don't worry. Right now you're just trial ballooning here. How's it look? Is everything level? Is everything working? Let it run for a few hours. Let it run overnight. The main thing is don't be in a rush. Make sure everything's working, there's no leaks, and everything's how you like it before you start adding the chemicals. The Declor chemicals work very fast. 15, 20 minutes, well mixed, the water's fine. So now the tank is set up. It's running, filter's running, everything's looking good. 
you've added the chemicals to get rid of the chlorine and the chloramines, and you're ready to get fish. Let's rush down to the store and pick out some fish, right? No. You need to wait, and you need to understand the next steps, which is what cycling is and how to establish the biofilter. Because fish are swimming around in the water that they put their waste in. So it's the fish and the waste in the same water. And the biofilter, which is a bacteria system, is what cleans the water of those fish waste. And you need to understand that before you start putting fish in. And that's called cycling. You need to get these bacteria established that are going to be getting rid of the waste in the aquarium. So before adding fish, listen to the cycling podcast and understand what cycling is. Once you understand what cycling is, make some decisions about that. Then you can start cycling your tank and adding your fish. And in the cycling podcast, not only do we talk about cycling, we talk about what's going to happen in the first 30 days of having your aquarium. So let's do a quick review. You've picked a good area for your tank. You've got the tank set up, filter in the heater, nicely landscaped, some gravel in there. It looks good to you. Everything's working well. We talked um, about decorations. One thing I didn't mention was the lighting. You want to be careful here. If you're just having a simple freshwater tank, you just want enough light to illuminate the fish. You don't want super, super bright light because bright lights can promote the growth of algae. Now, if you have a saltwater system or a reef system where you're going to be growing corals, then you're going to need to invest mostly in a lighting system. If you do not have the right lights to grow corals, you're just wasting your time and money, and you're placing the coral health in jeopardy. You cannot skimp by just go getting an industrial lighting system from Home Depot for your aquarium. These days, there are LEDs, and there are lots of good lighting systems, and yes, they cost a few bucks, but if you're going to be keeping corals, you need to get the right lighting system. It's key to the whole thing. So you've got your tank set up, water, everything's circulating. You've dechlorinated. Now listen to how to cycle your tank and what's going to happen, and then you'll be set for fish. Enjoy. And this is Dr. Tim. Good fish keeping.